Welcome to Dressed, the History of Fashion, a production of iHeartRadio. With over 7 billion people in the world, we all have one thing in common. Every day, we all get dressed. Welcome to Dressed, the History of Fashion, a podcast where we explore the who, what, when of why we wear. We are fashion historians and your hosts, April Callahan. And Cassidy Zachary. Well, dress listeners, welcome to another edition of Fashion History Mystery. And we are actually fresh off the heels of our April Goes to Beauty School episode from last week. And we received so many comments and so much feedback about this episode. And we actually wanted to share some uh, listener memories with you today. Yeah, we got a message from Cindy McMillan, who commented, quote, loves the podcast. My mother sent me to charm school in the early 1960s with little success. This made me (laughs) laugh. Um, I remember them telling me always to wear V necklines and to make my thighs swish together when I walked. It's an interesting thing to picture. I I know. (laughs) Ruth Dempsey wrote, quote, I remember in kindergarten marching around the room with a basket on my head singing... Standing straight, walking tall, I won't let my basket fall. Walking straight and tall, you see, helps to make a healthy me. <laughs> <laughs> we, I have to say, we did we did it in, in elementary school. We had a contest where we walked around the perimeter of our elementary school with books on our head, and whoever could make the most laps around won a prize. I can't remember what the prize was, but I think I was in the <laughs> final three. This surprises me zero, April Callahan. <laughs> Uh, Also, I feel like I should mention that after last week's episode, I received a call from my mother who called to correct me and say that my mother did not get married at 16. So sorry, mom, my grandma was not 16 when she got married. And I definitely need to get this right because my grandmother went to college at 16. And that's a huge difference. So she didn't get married until she was 21. Ah. That's cute. She she must have been um, quite the smarty pants if she went to college when she was 16. She really was. So important distinction to make, I think. Yeah. So um, today's fashion history mystery comes to us from listener Violet, who wrote to, to us to request an episode on the Chatelaine. To which I responded, Chatel what? Just kidding. But the Chatelaine <laughs> is a bit obscure today, so it's not your average everyday accessory, is it, April? Nope. And interestingly, the first definition that comes up when you Google the term Chatelaine is not for an accessory at all, but a, quote, woman in charge of a large house. But the second definition that comes up is is actually what we're going to talk about today, and that is a set of short chains attached to a woman's belt used for carrying keys or other types of items. And to find out just how a woman became an accessory or vice versa, we looked no further than the 1911 edition of the Britannica Encyclopedia, which states, Chatelaine, French Chatelaine, the feminine form of Chatelon, a keeper of a castle, the mistress of a castle. And it goes on to say, from the custom of a Chatelaine to carry the keys of the house suspended from her girdle, the word is now applied to the collection of short chains, often worn by ladies, to which are attached various small articles of domestic and toilet use, such as keys, pin knives, needle cases, scissors, etc. And if any of you are fans of Downton Abbey, you might be familiar with the Chatelaine as it was worn by Downton's housekeeper, Mrs. Hughes. Um, You know, she was never seen without her keys. And we even mentioned the Chatelaine on a recent episode um, when Cass interviewed curator Leslie Klingner, who who discussed the Chatelaine that was worn by the head housekeeper for George and Edith Vanderbilt's 
Biltmore Estate. And it makes perfect sense as a keeper of a large manor, or as you said, Cass, the mistress of a castle, that this sort of attachment would be really, really necessary um, because, of course, there would be like certain doors that were always kept locked and, and dresses at this time didn't always have pockets. And this is another reason why chatelaines often held more than just keys. They were meant to be both decorative and practical. And historically, chatelaines have carried any number of women's personal items from perfume to notebooks to watches to fans to tweezers to muffs. Yes, in the 17th century, apparently women conveniently carried their hand warmers on their belts. So basically, April attached to a belt or sash at the waist was suspended the equivalent to what you and I would put into a purse today. Yeah, and I think these things are really, really genius. Um, But Cass, there were also even Chatelaine purses, which were basically a small purse that could also be suspended from the waist belt and and serve the same purpose as as a little clutch, I guess, kind of would for us today. And and it may kind of seem a little strange to wear your purse suspended from your belt today, but you have to remember that at this time, um, oftentimes women's waists were the focus of support for the garment, and so therefore they were very, very sturdy um, thanks to the underlying corset below. Absolutely. And I have to say that while researching this episode, I could not help but make the connection between Chatelaine's and the Japanese Enro. And an Enro essentially serves the same purpose, but for Japanese men, it's this small, often exquisitely beautiful case. So you'll have to Google these. It's I-N-R-O. And these are, they're exceptionally beautiful and well-crafted and they consist essentially of a stack of nested boxes that are kept together by a drawstring. And similarly, these Japanese in row are worn suspended from the waist or from the obi. Well, never being a box per se, if the Chatelaine purse is any indication, Chatelaines came in many shapes, forms, and types. They could be hung by the waist by means of a hook, but there were also hookless versions that could be looped over one's belt. And while the term chatelaine is what we most associate with this sort of chained practical apparatus, it is a term that only came into use in the 19th century, and this is centuries after the accessory itself had been in use. So in her book, American Artifacts of Personal Adornment, 1680-1820, author Carolyn White refers to these earlier incarnations as, quote, waist-hung appendages, unquote. (laughs) Why does that sound a little dirty? I I know. I could see how how they might have decided to use the term chatelaine eventually. But um, (laughs) although I should probably cite Caroline's source for her entire article on chatelaines, uh, which is Genevieve Cummins and Norilla Taunton's 1985 book, Chatelaine, Utility to Glorious Extravagance, because that was really where she got all of her information from. Yeah, and and, um, again, we do get lots of questions from you guys about research tips. So Cass, maybe we should just mention WorldCat in passing. Um, It's something that I use practically on a daily basis, and it's essentially um, one online service that connects you to over 10,000 libraries worldwide. And you can search for any book, and it will tell you the closest library to you vis-a-vis your zip code that has it. Um, And so if it's not available close to you, you can usually also go to your local library and request what's called an interlibrary loan. And it gets to you within a week or two. Um, So if you wanted to learn something more about Chatelaine's and check out this particular book that Cass just mentioned, um, that's, that's how I would go about finding the closest copy to me. Yeah, because otherwise they sell for, I think, hundreds of dollars at this point. So definitely use your interlibrary loan. I actually use it quite often myself. So 
It's a fantastic source. And while I was not able to get my hands on a copy of this book in time for this episode, White's article proved an excellent resource in itself. And she reveals that chatelaines or waist-hung appendages were being used (laughs) all the way back in ancient Rome. There's this really cool second century bronze enamel chatelaine brooch that came up for auction a few years back, and it came complete with the original personal cosmetic items, which included scissors, brush, and a nail cleaner. I mean, those Romans knew a thing or two about personal hygiene, I must say. Mm -hmm. And and the crazy thing about chatelaines is just how many are actually available for sale out there on the market. At a price, of course, because they are they are, you know, a prized collectible item, I guess you would say. Um, and we found on the internet that for a mere five thousand and fifty nine dollars, you too can get your very own ancient Roman first century chatelaine from a seller on RubyLane.com, which is of course an antiques website. Yeah, it's really cool. Check it out. But April, why stop there? Because for a mere $47,433.13, I have no idea how they came up with that number, by the way, but you can purchase your very own 18th century 18 karat gold chatelaine from firstdibs.com, complete with not one, but two golden thimbles and an atui. Ah. What is an atui, you may ask? Well, it's a small ornamental receptacle, and this particular one holds scissors, a needle, a saw spoon, knife, and what appears to be a pen and nail file. It's kind of insane. <laughs> yeah. If the if the holdings of the Victorian Albert Museum are any indication, these types of etuis were a omnipresent accessory throughout the 18th century within affluent society, and and cast they are in and of themselves kind of like these little little works of art. They're so delicate, so often painstakingly decorated. Yeah, very feminine sometimes, um, and chatelaine usage carried through well into the 19th century when they became even more popular, thanks in part to the Industrial Revolution, which democratized a lot of these types of things that were once considered to be luxury goods. And even by the 1890s, the department store or mail order catalog at this point, Montgomery Ward, had a nice selection of Chatelaine purses starting at the time for just 25 cents. Yeah, and while chatelaines are remarkable for their beauty, they are also especially fascinating because of their inherent functionality. So extant chatelaines speak to really speak to the individual who wore them. Firstdibs.com that we mentioned also has this charming sterling silver chatelaine from the 1870s, complete with all its original accessories, and that included this beautiful notepad, a stamp holder, a retractable pencil, a rose-decorated mirror, and an engraved whistle. So I don't know... <laughs> Why the whistle? I I don't know. That's an interesting addition. And I don't know if you know this about me, April, uh, if I've ever told you, but I am kind of obsessed with little things, like Mm -hmm. obsessed with tiny little things, Um, especially tiny little things that are functional. They make me very happy. So I could look at these chatelaines pretty much all day, every day. Yeah. And chatelaines fell out of favor um, sometime around the early 20th century, no doubt in tandem with the modernization of fashion, although they apparently made a comeback in the 1930s cast because in 1938, Vogue informed its readers, quote, the old-time fascinator, half-gadget, half-jewel, has started a furor, and the time has come for you to ransack your attic or family trinket box to find one. <laughs> Yeah, and in the decades hence, numerous designers such as Adele Simpson and Karl Lagerfeld for Chanel have provided their own spin on the century-old waist-hung appendage. And I have to say— I'm just going to laugh every time you say that. (laughs) 
Well, I have to say that I am all for these making a comeback. And I have to know, April, if given the opportunity, what would you wear suspended to your Chatelaine? Oh, that's that's easy. Um, lipstick for <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm never, I'm never without at least four to five lipsticks on my person. <laughs> So you can have your your lipstick Chatelaine and I will have my Chatelaine with my chapstick and sunglasses and maybe a notepad and pen and maybe actually your cell phone, I guess. Yeah. My cell phone could be suspended to my waist. Although I would also be down with carrying a scented perfume or two. Um, and actually, if you go on Etsy, there are modern day makers who are making Chatelaine. So please, I am all for this making a comeback. Yeah. So do we have any other fashion history news for the week, Cass? Um, not necessarily fashion, but uh, I was at the Gathering of Nations this weekend, which is the largest powwow in North America. There's over 3,000 plus indigenous Native American and Indian dancers, singers that represent over 500 plus tribes. So, I mean, it was pretty exceptional, the artistry of dress that was on full display and everywhere you looked was just the most beautiful Beautiful uh, garments created in the most exquisite hand beading, be feathered ensembles. I mean, there was just, it was so beautiful and such a wonderful event to witness. Um, I highly recommend checking it out if you're ever in Albuquerque, New Mexico around yeah. this time. Well, maybe next year I'll come for that. That sounds awesome. I would love to see that. Yeah, and we've, we have talked about it, but I really want to get a Native American um, beater on the show this season. So I am working on that now. Awesome. I hope you made some good contacts for that yesterday. Oh, absolutely. There's, I mean, there's so many artisans, but um, I'll have to pick a couple and, and get them on the show. Um, and then last week, April, I have to tell you something completely unrelated to uh, Gathering of Nations, but I was on the internet. I do not know how I came across this, but Jennifer Lopez now has this video YouTube series called Moments of Fashion. Have you heard of this? No, I haven't. Dis-moi. Tell me. Yeah. So I came across episode one, which was the Versace dress. And anyone who knows Jennifer Lopez and Versace probably can put two and two together, but it's that iconic green silk chiffon Versace gown that she wore to the 2000 Grammys that caused a sensation. Well, yeah, because it was cut all the way down to there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she looked amazing. But it was a very she revealing did. dress. It's it's now really famous. And I didn't know this, but she revealed on the show that Google Images was actually created because of that dress. So many people searched that image. And at that time, Google didn't have an image search feature. So apparently so many millions and millions of people tried to find a picture of her in that dress that Google image was created thanks to Jennifer Lopez. Wow, and Versace. that's fascinating. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, that's all the fashion history news I have. Um, well, I would like to talk about the Met Gala if we could for just a second or maybe kind of tease an upcoming episode. We're going to do a deep dive into some of our favorite looks and the fashion history moments um, from really what is now probably fashion's most anticipated annual event. And if you haven't already, be sure and check out the documentary the first Monday in May for a behind the scenes glimpse into the creation of the festivities. That does it for us this week. So please be sure to tune in Tuesday for our full-length episode. We will talk to you soon. Bye. Dress the History of Fashion is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.